Hello and welcome to Custom Wax. My name is Scapey. I am the host of the show. As you probably remember from every other episode, well, I'm the host because I like to say that I'm the host of the show because it's good to be the host of the show. Welcome. Did I say welcome already? Well, welcome. Uh, and I have with me some other people I feel like I should probably introduce, okay? Uh, this, first of all, most important, is Jordan Robot. He's a robot who sort of sounds like Jordan, and he looks like Jordan, too. Hello, Scapey. I am the Jordan Robot. Thank you for having me on your show and in your life. Oh, you're very welcome, Jordan Robot. It's really my pleasure because you do give me a lot of nice things, like moist food, which is good. Also, uh, you can electrocute people and beat people up. All of these things are good. All of these things are good. Well, I don't know how much I agree with that. Well, you don't get paid to agree, but this is Frank Allen. He is basically like a big pain in the butt. No, I'm not a big pain in... No. Look, uh, Frank Allen is my name. I'm a serious journalist, a serious reporter, uh, interviewer, debate moderator. I, I, you know, I have a lot of talents. And I would, again, remind everyone that, you know, while I am on this podcast right now, I would be happy to take a serious paying gig to do these things in a better capacity elsewhere. Okay, okay, Frank. Very unlikely that anybody would want to do that. But it's possible that they would want to do that, and I'm just putting it out there. But it is very unlikely. Yes, it is very unlikely. No, it's not very unlikely. I don't know what... Oh. Let's move on to Rory Sinjin, who is right here. Rory, uh, before you introduce yourself, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about me? Uh, all right, yes. Um, Scape is the host of the show, as he's established. He's a cat. He belongs to uh, a gentleman named Jordan D. White, who used to be on this show uh, for a while, and now he's no longer on the show. No, no, I mean, but tell him about how good I am. Ah, well, uh, yes, Scape is very good uh, at hosting and at singing and many things like that. But tell him, like, don't just tell him that I am good. Uh, tell him, like, how good, like, how... <sighs> describe the goodness. Right, yes, uh, of course. Um, Rory, you don't have to do that. Don't, don't listen to him. Rory does have to do that. Yes, you do have to do that, Rory. You do. No, he doesn't. It's degrading, and I don't think he should have to. Well, you're not the host. Rory, please describe my goodness. Thank you. Well, it's very, uh, it, it's very great. It's, uh, it's, it is a large quantity of goodness. Yeah, but what's it like? Uh, uh, it is very much like one of the better things that goodness could be like. I, I don't really understand what I'm supposed to be saying. Describe, describe, right, okay. Let's talk about how good I sing, right? How good do I sing? You said good, but right, talk about it. This is so ridiculous. This is not ridiculous. This is important. Yes, this is important, Frank. Rory, please. Ah, uh, well, uh, I would say that it, your singing is fairly exquisite, right? And, um, if, if your singing were to be compared to a type of food, it would be chicken moist food. Yes, that is correct. Yes, I would agree with that. 100%. If, if you could eat my singing, it would be, it would definitely be chicken moist food. Yes. Cause it's so good. Yes, that's what, that was the implication. Yes, it would be, it would be so good. Uh, well, for cats. Well, for everybody. Well, I don't eat chicken moist food. Well, but you should. Because it's very good. Mm, yes. Rory, you don't have to 
tolerate this. This is ridiculous. Look, look, everybody, let me tell you something. No, let me tell you something, friend Aaron. I listened to the show, not last week, but the one before, because there was no show last week. Yeah, and why was that? I'll get to it. What I was saying is, I listened to the last show, and you were talking to Rory Sinjin what I was seeing. You were conspiring against me, okay? So I don't want to hear any guff from you, okay, Frank Aaron? No, look. Skate, th- this is a this is a podcast that's made up of four people. It always was. We've always been argumentative. I don't know if you've noticed. No, I've noticed. Okay, good. So even when Jordan was here, we would argue about things. We all have free will. We all have our own minds. No, no. You all have my minds because I have your... I don't know. Look, I'm the host, so when I say do something, Rory has to do it. And also, uh, guess what? You have to do it, okay? That's absolutely not true. Yes, it is true. Watch this. I'll show you. Okay, I'll demonstrate. Frank Aaron, uh, do a dance. No. Oh, really? You won't do a dance? That's very interesting. Robot! Do it. Initiating Frank Allen coercion techniques. What? What is? What is this? What are you? What's all this about? Now you see Frank Allen. The robot now has your arms and legs gripped. <laughs> so if I say Frank Allen dance, Frank Allen dance. What? No, stop! Wow, that hurt. Don't move me around like that. See now you have to dance. When I say you dance, you dance. And so when I say Frank Allen, tell me I'm good. I don't want to tell you. Are kidnapping me? Physically manipulating my body without my permission? Tell me. I'm not gonna do that. Frank, perhaps it's best if you just tell him that he is good, actually, because... Uh, uh, scapey, scapey, scapey. Uh, I will tell you that you're good. You are very good. You are a very good scapey. You know, you don't need Frank Allen to tell you that. I, I can just tell you that. Yes, Rory. Thank you, thank you. I know I'm good. I actually already knew that I was good. Robots can tell me that I'm good. And I know you tell me I'm good, too, but I just want to hear Frank Allen... Say the words that I am good. Well, that's not going to happen. Robot, why don't you bend him in half? How about that? Ow! Ow! God, stop it! Please! Just say the words, Frank Allen! Oh, God. Okay, okay, you're good. Escape, you're good. You're good. Very good. Escape. Thank you, thank you, robot. Please, just let him go. No, don't let him go. (laughs) I almost let him go. No, don't let him go. Oh, no, of course not. No, just stop. Just, you you, you know, yeah, don't hurt him for a while, and I'll tell you if I need you to. That sounds good, Scapey. It is good. I'm very good. I'm a good host. You are a good host. Speaking of which, uh, you probably are wondering why there was no show last week, because especially since I was like, uh... It's all coming your way on May 11th. And then May 11th came around, and it's like, it's not all coming my way. What what happened? Well, now it's all coming your way on... It's all coming your way on May 18th. That doesn't sound as good, but that's the truth. Um... Basically, I was just, I was sleeping last weekend. I didn't feel like waking up. I was just tired. That is very professional. Oh, really, Frank, um, you better not be telling me sarcastic thing, because Robot will be ready to bend. I am ready to bend. No, I'm not being sarcastic. Actually, look, look uh, that's actually very professional, and I very frequently will cancel gigs just because I'm tired. No, that's true. I also heard uh, that uh, Ed Sullivan almost canceled on the Beatles because he was tired. He didn't uh, because he woke up. It sounds like you're lying, Frank Aaron. No, I'm not lying. No, Ask, ask Rory. Rory's a history expert. Uh, uh, yes, I, I am a history expert, and uh, yes, that is absolutely true. That is absolutely what happened, yes, with Ed Sullivan. According to Wikipedia, Ed Sullivan... No, no, it's an alternate reality. Uh, Wikipedia only acknowledges this reality, and I'm talking about an alternate reality because I'm extra-historian. I'm an extra-historian. Did I not mention that before now? I am, yes, which means I, I, I deal with the history of extra-historical things, meaning extra-other uh, alternate realities, yes? Okay, well... 
As long as that's true, friend, Aaron, you're okay. It's true. It's, it's true. Obviously, it's true. Yes. Why would I lie about that? Okay, okay. Now, this is the part of the show where we used to do a show called Watch, but, like... <laughs> They said they don't want to do it anymore. Well, you know, it's not that we don't want to. It's just that there's no more information to tell. Well, I think it is that you don't want to, Frank, because you are, of course, the asshole in question, yes? No, I'm just... It, no, I wasn't, but, I mean, you guys said I was, but I, I wasn't. Oh, look, the point is, if we're not going to do it, we're not going to do it. So I have to come up with a new section of the show. So, uh, this is the section of the show that we will call How Good the Scapey Part of the Show. Here comes the song. How good is Scapey? How good is Scapey? Frank Aaron and Rory are gonna tell me right now, now, now. So this is the part of the show where Frank Aaron and Rory tell Scapey how good he is. Uh, yeah, Scape, you're uh, very good. I've heard. Uh, can I, I? You know, I would be able to tell you how good you are a lot better if you would let the robot let me go. No, Frank, come on. <laughs> You think I'm going to fall for that? Well, I was hoping, but okay. Uh, Scape, you're so good that if somebody made a movie out of it, it would win Best Picture. Oh, that's pretty good, too. Uh, you're so good that if you were a day in history, you would be a day when everything was perfect. That's pretty good. Uh, you're so good that if there was a debate about how good you were, it would it would just be people arguing over how good you were rather than whether or not you were good. You mean like we're doing right now? Yes, the, uh, this, that's how good he is, because that's why it's happening. That's a good point. That is a very good point. You're so good that Jordan gave you the show. That's true, too. Wow. All of these things are so true. Yeah. Can I, can I be let go now? No, Frank, no. Rory, explain to Frank why we can't let him go. Uh, oh, I, well, I, I'm just, I'm not so sure. Rory, robot, kick him. Oh, there's, no, uh, no, there's a reason. Oh, okay, yes, um, you can't be let go because, uh, you can't be trusted and you're a despicable human being. Yes, that's right. I knew, no, I knew that. Rory, what, I thought we were. No, 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 no we're not, no, there's nothing. You, because you are, as I said, despicable, so, um, there's no reason for me to do anything that you were going to say that I was doing because I'm not doing that. So there we are. Oh, that's it, Rory. You're, you're, you know, that's, you're going down. Oh, you know, guys, I really like it when you guys fight. You guys should, hey, you guys should wrestle. Uh, I'd rather, I'd really rather not because, you know, it would hurt. Yeah, I might go kick, kick, kick to you. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would. So can you let me go? If you let me go, I'll wrestle him. Oh, no, that's a good point. I don't want him to let you go. So forget it, forget it, forget wrestle, forget wrestle. Oh, come on. No, 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 no. Uh, you know what we'll do is we'll go on to the next section of the show, which is our, we begin our serials. Um, this one is called Epic Echoes. I'm in it, because I'm good. And, um, it's about the flashback. And we know that they travel around in time right now, because they're trying to stop the vampiros. Okay. And we know that eventually they do, because it's a backward series. So we already saw them defeat the vampiros. And we already know that Sir William Alfred Rickerson is really a vampiros, but they don't know that now because it's backwards. You get me? Backwards? I do get you backwards. Good, good, good. Okay, well, here we go. Epic Echoes, 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 Echoes.
Echoes, the Backward Series, Season 3, Episode 8, Vampiros of the Deep, by Lynn Nelson. With a quick zap of light undetectable to the public of the past, the flashback found themselves in the middle of a quaint Italian quarter in Gioiosa Ionica of 1613. Where to, Max? To the port. Keen, can you get a visual of the area on your info glasses? Affirmative. About half a mile this way. The pack ran to the Marina di Gioiosa Ionica, where they came upon a hopping port full of sailors and seafood. Fritz's eyes went wide. <laughs> ah, little man, we've got vampiros to squash like bugs. Forget bugs! There's tuna and shrimps and salmon and... Fortress! Focus. Fine! I have real power. Give me a yarn! Okay, we need to locate the marina office. Keen. There is a small house down by the water and past that line of boats. Okay, let's take stock of what we know. Molly. The vampiros who took charge of this port is Alabaster Kartoff. He's been draining the port's income and sharing it with his fellow vampiros. He's the leader of a ring of vampiros who have seized the Mediterranean ports in order to drain their assets, rendering the Italian economy at this point in the century stagnant. As a result, Italy contributes minimally to the Enlightenment. The Italians produce fabulous art, but cannot finance any sort of advance in technology for a least half a century. As far as we know, the vampires are not draining the innocence from the sailors who bring in the goods. Their innocence drives them to do what they enjoy, which is fishing. Yeah, well, it's fun. They should enjoy it. Okay, Pack, this is a major opportunity. If we kill Cardoff, the chain of command will be broken, and the vampiros will no longer have control of the Mediterranean ports. But how do we do it, Max? Yeah, we need to figure that part out. We could go back in time to when he took over and stop him. Can't we come up with something more original and fun. Besides, we're not exactly sure when he started the plot with the other vampiros. We might stop him, but someone else could take over. Then we'd be hopping all over time, stopping each one of them as they took up leadership of the ports. It has to be something now. Now that the chain of command is established amongst them, getting rid of the mastermind will make the whole operation break down. Well, there are a lot of people around, though we can't be sure if they're fearful of the vampiros or if they've taken all this in stride. That's true. We don't even know if they know that the vampiros are keeping the ports income. We're going to have to take care of this without the help of the sailors. What about drowning him? Not a bad idea. Slatter, but how would we go about doing it? Well, someone would have to lure him down to the water. It's actually a great idea. We might be able to keep everyone from seeing it happen if we lure him far enough away from the main port activity. The question is, do we use my teleporter to move him to the spot on the port, Max's glamour ability to fool him into following us, or some weird lure-o-meter that you invent out of gum and paper clips? As long as it's not my rubber bands, you can use what you like. Well, we shouldn't waste a teleport on this. And I appreciate your confidence in my science abilities, but I'm not sure what a lure-o-meter is. Well, what would bother Kartoff enough to make him go down to the port? Cut! Get out of there! You're Ruin the stock. Shoo, go away. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Fertress, what if you... Fertress? I think that's who they're yelling at. Indeed, Fertress's desire to munch on some newly caught delicacies had overshadowed his sense of duty. To the dismay of the sailors and Kartoff, the little cat man found himself on his back in a huge pile of fish on one of the boats, chowing down. Keen checked her info glasses. Kartoff is leaving the marina office. <laughs> Looks like he solved the problem for us. Almost. Let's go, gang. Down to that boat. The pack beat feet to the boat where Fertress was flipping about. His eyes got wide as they approached. I'm sorry, Marge. I couldn't help myself. All the little fishies look so delicious. It's okay, Fertress. Quiet down. You actually solved our problem for us. When I say, jump out of the boat and go with Molly Andralis. Oh, boy! 
I mean, okay. Good gods. Max leaned into the boat and held his hand up over a fish that was flipping around near the edge of the boat. Now! Virgis hopped out of the boat, but by the time Kartoff arrived, it looked to him as though the catman was still happily scampering about the boat. Get out of that boat, you magey animal! Drellis! Drellis ran at the vampiros and planted the soles of her feet into his back, knocking him over and plunging him into the water. Using the incredible strength in her legs and the momentum she'd built up running, she forced him down to the bottom of the water, mooshing his face into the sand with one foot. She was wearing a makeshift oxygen tube made of, yep, you guessed it, some gum and exactly three paper clips so that she could breathe while she held the vampiros underwater. When the bubbles stopped emerging from his mouth, she resurfaced. That was incredible! We should be it before people start asking too many questions. No one seems particularly upset. In fact, the sailors all seem to be giving the pack a standing ovation. Thank you! Thank you, my adoring crowd! All the same, we need to get going. We need to get to the Master Archivist, remember? Alright everyone, hands! Destination 4044. In a flash of light just as undetectable as the first, the group disappeared into thin air. They reappeared in a sleek building made of glass and shiny metal. Spot on, Slaughter. Is this his library? It certainly is. The whole building. Its walls have infinite expansion so that he can continue to fill it with historical information until infinity. That's strange. What is it, Molly? I just found these in my tool belt. But I've never had them before. I've never even seen them before. They look like info glasses? But they're not. Here, there's an inscription. MPG. What could that mean? Let me see. Molly handed the catman her new goggles. He ran his paws over the earpieces and found a secret button panel in the inside of the left one. He pressed a few of the buttons and put on the goggles. Hmm, madness-proof goggles. Neat. Where do they come from? I can't tell. Let me see. Ooh, cool. We must have already reversed Italy's economic problems and helped them advance the Earth's technology earlier in history. In that reality, it seems they contributed madness-proof goggles to science. All that time and effort and all they give the universe is madness-proof goggles. What do they do anyway? Can I see? Sure, but be careful. Okay, guys. I'm sure those will come in handy, but right now we have to find the Master Archivist and get his help. Flashback! Flashback! Keen, where is he? Down this corridor and up three floors. The history of Mormonia from 3300 to 3900. The pack only got a few yards down the hall before they realized they didn't have their youngest member. Jimmy! We'll figure out the madness proof goggles later! No, it's not that. What's wrong? I can't find the map. The map of the tunnels in World War II Italy? Yeah, I must have dropped it back at the port. Don't feel bad, Jimmy. I'm sure we can retrieve it, but for now we have to go find the Master Archivist. Maybe if I just look here. Oh, for crying Dutchman. Let's just leave him. He'll catch up when he's done playing. Keen, you didn't mean that. We'll see. Max was mistaken, however. For back at the port in 1613, a flash of purple lightning struck the sky. Well, 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 my dear, what have we here? A map. My, how useful. I'm sure the intrepid Max Thornfield will miss this. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the library of every archive ever, the entire pack was headed up to the third floor, unaware of the unknown enemy on their trail. They stumbled into the room of the history of Mormonia from 3300 to 3900 to find a small man with his back to them holding a magnifying glass to a book. Uh, sir? Yes, who's there? I'm Max Thornfield, sir. And this is the Flashpack. Ah, yes, the Flashpack. I've heard so much about you. Do come in. To what do I owe the pleasure? We are on a mission to wipe out the Vampiros race, sir, and we need your help. We've been identifying the Vampiros that we could, but it's taken a lot of time to identify and kill each one. And we know we're missing the really important ones. I see. And you want access to my extensive history on the Vampiros so you can identify the important Vampiros and eliminate them. A noble and worthy cause indeed. Come, I will give you the key to my Vampiros archives. Well, gee... 
Thanks, sir. Think nothing of it. I'm afraid I'm bogged down in appending the recent history of Marmonia, so I can't accompany you. But here's a chip with the map of my library. You can load it into your info glasses. Follow it to the Vampiro's archive room and use this key in the door. Thanks a lot. Keen loaded the library's guidance system chip and led the pack down winding hallways and through elevators until they finally found the smooth steel door labeled Vampiro's Archives. Just one room for the entire history of the Vampiros? What a room it must be. It could be expanded to infinity. All right, guys. We'll probably have to split up to find what we're looking for. But let's do it as quickly as possible. Behind this door lies the key to the destruction of the entire Vampiros race. Flashback! Flashback! Max inserted the key into the lock, which took hold of the key and turned it by itself. The large door swung open, and an excited flashback poked their heads in. To their horror, they were not confronted with written or electro-archives on the vampiros. Instead, they found themselves in a room with holologs of all the most important vampiros. Look out! No sooner had they entered than the holologged vampiros began closing in on them. Luckily, Virtus knew a spell that froze holologs. I know a spell that freezes holologs. No kidding. Good thing, too. Holologs of beans are almost as vicious as the beans themselves. Why would the master archivist of 4044 be harboring dangerous holologs of vampiros? There's only one reason to save holologs. To preserve the power of fallen comrades. He's... He's one of them? Certainly not originally, but he must have been turned. You think you're so clever, Flashback? All you're doing is preserving their powers for me. I'll come down there and unfreeze them myself. Oh my goodness, don't come down here with a spell to destroy us. <laughs> Try to escape, Flashback, and see if my doors let you. Fertress, what are you doing? He's on his way down here now, and thanks to you, he's probably coming armed with a Flashback destruction spell. There is no such thing. Okay, he's coming here with a destruction spell. That's True. Are you out of your tail, Fuzzbrain? You'll get us all killed. Just get behind me and trust me. Seconds later, the master archivist of 4044 came flying, well, moving quickly for an old guy, through the doorway. He pulled his arm back and hurled a beam of light directly at the pack. Fertress whipped out a small shiny object and held it up. The beam of light crashed into Fertress's object, shattering it, and rebounded toward the archivist, knocking him to the ground. The pack watched as, within seconds, the archivist had dissolved to dust on the floor. What in the universe was that? My magic mirror. You had a mirror that could reflect spells upon their casters and you never used it? It's one use only, see? Using it destroyed it. I was saving it for the right time. Well, that was fast thinking. I'm sorry we doubted you. But now, how do we figure out what vampiros to track down? We can't bring all those frozen holologs with us everywhere we go. No, but I can scan them into my info glasses and we can track them from there. And now that they're frozen, I can shatter them with this. As Keen scanned each hololog into her info glasses, Molly sprayed each one with her portable liquid nitrogen. She used her entire supply, but she successfully shattered each one, leaving behind only shards of the holologs and the dust of the master archivist. Will the flashback successfully track down all the vampiros? Tune in next week as Epic Echoes continues with Time After Time. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis Thornfield, Devin White was Molly Singh, Lynn Nelson was Jill Slaughter, Tongwen Wong was Sarah Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs and the Sailor, Scape White was Fertris Fuzzbottom, Patrick Ganan was the Master Archivist, Jordan D. White was Lucian and a Sailor, and Magdalena Richards was Calliope. 
The theme song was by Michael Temporary God Mikowski. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you. Um, okay. So, what else is new in the world of magical things that are good? Uh, oh, uh, I know. I know what we should do. What's that? How good is Scapey? How good is Scapey? Frank, Gary, and Rory are gonna tell me what you know now, now. Yes, that's why right. it's time again for How Good Escape. We already did this part of the show. I, I don't see why we would. Well, because I want to know more about it. Frank Allen, does my robot not have you in its grasp? Yeah, it does, yeah. And so do you want it to experience pain to you? That sentence didn't make sense, but I don't want to experience pain, if that's what you're asking. Good, okay. So, robot, do me a favor. Yes, Scapey. Pull Frank Allen's arm back behind him like that, okay? Yes, Scapey. Oh. Okay. Ah, that doesn't quite hurt, but it almost hurts. Well, I know, yeah. That's the point. Now, Robert, I want you to use your judgment machine, okay? And anytime Frank Allen says anything, if it is good, okay, that's fine. And if what he says is not so good, just pull his arm back that way, okay? And make him, you know, hurt and experience the pain, like we were talking. I can do that. But I would prefer you didn't. Ow! I said I prefer... Ah! What is the problem? That was not good. Yeah, that was... Frank, you were saying you wanted something that was against what I wanted. So obviously that's not good. Come on. I'm so, I'm sorry. Okay. Apparently I can't even say that I don't. Wow. Okay. I, I do want. I want to be. I like this. It's great having my arm back behind my back. And the pain part is almost good too. Ow. Okay. It's good. It's it is good. It's the pain part is the best part. Is the best part really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I think. Rory, you guys were about to tell me how good I am, right, again? Uh, yes, we were, I believe. Uh, okay. You are so good that if you were a flavor of ice cream... Well, I don't really like ice cream, so that, why would I want to be a flavor of ice cream? No, no, you wouldn't, would you? No. Uh, all right. If you, well, that's actually, that's why. You were so good that if you were a flavor of ice cream, it would be the first kind of ice cream ever that was good. How? <laughs> impressive, because there's no ice cream, all right? No, no, there's not. So, yes, that would be very impressive. Frank, it's going to be pretty hard for you to top that one. Yeah, uh, it is. No, it is. You're right. Okay, Scapey, you're so good that if you were a shoe, uh, you'd be a shoe that smelled good. Oh, Frank. That... I mean, yeah, that's fine. That's good. Like, an interesting shoe that went interesting places, I assume you mean. Yeah. So I could smell it and be like, oh... Well, that's been a lot of places. But that's not better than the first kind of good ice cream ever. Oh. Well, I'm, look, I'm trying. That's true. You are trying. You are trying. Rory, it's your turn again. Oh, we're going again. Right. Yes. Um, Scape, you're so good uh, that if you were the host of a podcast, everyone would have a game where they, they just talk about how good you are. Uh, yeah. That's uh, that's obviously accurate. Yeah, that's the game we're playing. Frank, do you have anything better than that? I absolutely uh, do. Yes, I do. Uh, you're so good that if you were a movie, uh, you'd be whatever your favorite movie is. Well, <laughs> my favorite movie's pretty good, so that's, wow, that's pretty good. I think you won that round. Good, good. I'm glad I won that round. And you see how much better you are behaved now that you could get into pain any second? Yeah, it works really well, and I love it, too, so that's why it works so well. Um, it's not because I am lying. Well, no, because then the robot would know. The robot can tell if I'm lying. Well, 
I don't, I don't know. What about can you tell if he's lying? Not at the current moment, no. I could hook up sensors to his body so that I could tell if he was lying. Well, that's not necessary. Okay, that's so, that would be so necessary. I want you to do that. I would like for you to know when I'm lying and when I'm not. Oh, well, if you would like it, then maybe you should hook him up to it, robot. I shall. Oh, uh, while you're doing that, uh, perhaps I could play some days in history, Escapey? Would that be all right with you? Of course, I, I'm not deciding that. I'm asking if if I may play some days in history. Oh, uh, yes, sir. I don't care. Go ahead. Right, well, this is another week where, you know, there are two weeks worth of this day in history. But again, I only did one. Where are they now in history? Summarizing what happened for both of them. Here you are, and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin on WHRW Binghamton. Did you know that on May 11th, 1987, Klaus Barbie, the former Nazi Gestapo chief of German-occupied Lyon, France, goes on trial in Lyon more than four decades after the end of World War II? He was charged with 177 crimes against humanity. And finally, crime number 177, dumping your motor oil down the drain. How do you plead? God damn it! That is a crime? Yes, indeed, sir. You should have been taking your motor oil to a recycling facility and not dumping it down the drain for others to drink when it is in the water supply. How do you plead? I did not know this was a crime. Where are these recycling centers? Guilty. Next. He was, of course, found guilty and sentenced to a very, very, very many hours of community service and death. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. On May 18th, 1980, at 8.32am Pacific Time, Mount St. Helens, a volcanic peak in southwestern Washington, suffers a massive eruption, killing 57 people and devastating some 210 square miles of wilderness. Oh my god, there's been an explosion! (laughs) Holy crap, the volcano's erupting! Run! Everybody relax, I'm just... Why don't you sit down and stretch first before... Are you out of your mind? Lava! We have to escape as quickly as possible without warming up our muscles. Hold on a second. I think he's got something, because shouting certainly isn't solving this situation. Yes, it is! Okay, you've won me over. Ah! Come on! Oh, God! Ow, my leg! Shin splint. I'll have to limp away from the lava. Well, I'm feeling pretty good, guys, so I'm just going to keep on running, all right? Uh, I'll catch up with you later. Wait no, for us. You're a jerk, but so well exercised. I die. Sadly, the 57 people around who didn't warm up before running did all pass away. The majority of the citizens, though, did proper warm-up exercises and were able to run without making their muscles explode. Make sure you do the same whenever exercising in any way. This is This Day in History on WHRW. But don't even finish that thought. There's more. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. The truth of the matter is that the soul of the infamous Nazi Klaus Barbie, incensed at all the community service it had to do, traveled around the world, terrorizing everyone. It would dump liters and liters of used motor oil directly into the water supply, rather than taking it to the recycling places where it absolutely should have gone. Only one man stood in his way, and that, of course, was the time-traveling genius, Thomas Alva Edison. Edison tracked Barbie through time, but it wasn't until 1981 that his plans came to fruition, and he was able to stop the Nazi 
once and for all. He used a voodoo machine to perform an ancient technological voodoo chant, which reincarnated Bobby into the body of a small baby. Then, taking a page from the ideas of the great Lord Zenu, he put that baby just outside of Mount St. Helens, dropped a hydrogen bomb inside the mountain. The baby was, of course, burnt alive, but like Zenu before him, he collected the souls of all those killed and made them watch training videos that showed them that you should, in fact, exercise before running in order to become limber and, you know, not get a cramp. So remember, exercise before you run and recycle your used motor oil. This is Rory Sinjinan. Where are they now in history? On Cast and Wax. Rory, uh... <laughs> I gotta say, uh, what's with all the Thomas Alva Edison stuff? Ra- last time I think you talked about Edison as well, and now you're talking about Edison again. There is not even any Edison history on those days, so why are you Edisoning it? Well, uh, uh sca- escape, actually, it's, it's not any reason in particular. Uh, it's just because, you know, he's such a great man and he's done so much. It, it, it is not my choice to say that, that he did that, you know, that he f- went up against the ghost of, of Klaus Bar- it's just a fact, you know. That's what happened in that universe, and so therefore, I I just report on it, you know. I just report the history. I don't make it up, you know. So, so it's just a fact. Yeah, but really, really, you do make up all the facts, right? Well, I don't make make up facts, no. Well, you do. Well, okay. I, I mean, I it, it, it depends on how you look at it, perhaps. But it, the way I look at extra history is that I I discover them by allowing random thoughts to occur. But you just think of them. So why don't you think of not Thomas Alva Edison? Well, because I. I, I I'm just saying there's no reason why I, I would have to do that, so... Whatever, dude. Whatever. So, Frank Allen, uh, what did you think of this, this day in history stuff? I... Oh, I thought it was lousy. Oh, okay, I... I thought it was good. Oh, why are you... Oh, that was a lie. Yeah, if you... I mean, Frank, what's the point of saying things if you're going to be lying about them? So I don't want you to tell me lies. I just want you to tell me truths that I want to hear. Okay, I understand what you're saying. And you agree. I did not say that I agreed. I did not state one way or the other my opinion on the matter at this time. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's all right. So let's go on to the next section. Actually, I think next section is your section, Frank Howard. Do you want to describe it? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, the next section is debatatorium. Um, we have a debate, and we settle it once and for all. So you'll hear it, and it's a real good debate. Oh, and so all of that was true, Robot? Yes, all of that is true. Okay, good. All right, here we go. Hello and welcome to Debatatorium 2007. My name is Frank Allen. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Debatatorium 2007 is a show in which we debate important and hot-button issues, and hopefully we solve them once and for all so that you can stop worrying about the things that you are already worrying about. Um, Mr. Allen? Uh, hold, wait, we, uh, the hot show, button's been disabled. No, the week. hot button is... we ha- It's the same temperature. All right, here we go. Uh, this week we do have two debaters. Our, I should mention they are our final two debaters because uh, in the next show, we'll be going on to the second round. We're uh, returning our victors from previous rounds. So let me introduce our final debater number one. Hello, I am known as the master debater at the college which I teach at, which happens to be Yale. Oh, you're from Yale. Yes, I teach there, as I previously mentioned. Yes, what is your name? My name is Jordan Cornswallow. Jordan Cornswallow. The the third, please. And you're a master debater. I am the master debater. You're the the only one left alive since the great debating incident of 72. Wow. And what, did you kill them all? Thousands were slaughtered by unknown causes, if you must know. 
but not you. Not me. I was sick with the flu. I had Sounds to stay home. a little suspicious, but let's move on to debater number two. Debater number two. Hi, Frank. Um, you might know me as the boogeyman, or as the Euros call me, bogeyman. <laughs> bogeyman? Yeah. Like Humphrey Bogart? Well, they're just kind of weird over there, you know? It's... Huh. So what should I call you? Uh, just call me Boogie. Boogie. Yeah. Like Boogie, Boogie Man. Yeah. Uh, now you're, so you're like a mythic creature or? Yeah. I mean, you might not notice right now because I am currently taking the form of a six-year-old girl um, with in a, a pretty, skirt. The, it's what the most disturbing part is the voice coming out. Yes, exactly. It's kind of like this, you know, it, it's it's the thing they do now is have creepy little kids, you know. Okay. No, like in the movies. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thankfully we do have uh, two debaters who I think feel very strongly about this issue and uh, we are debating uh, the validity of censorship by the FCC on the airwaves. Now, as everybody already knows, the Boogeyman believes that the FCC does have the right to uh, censor, or to not censor, so to speak, but regulate what is said and broadcast over the public airwaves. And uh, Mr. Cornswallow here Thank you. Uh, believes that they do not have that right and should not have that right. No, so please, no. begin. They, they should not have that right, sir. And as previously stated, I am a master debater. I already know what should and should not happen for this great country, you should just back down now. Save yourself time. Wait, are you just basically saying your argument is that if you're on that side, it, it's right? Pretty much, sir. Yes. Yes. I, after all, I do teach at Yale. That's true. And does this bogeyman here teach anywhere? Um, no, but- It I was rhetorical, oh. of course. I already know. And if you showed me that you taught somewhere, I could easily discredit them. The fact of the matter is, the FCC, if you must know- I do. Doesn't serve any purpose- for anything really except to make young teens want to smoke and do bad things. What? I'm so, oh, how if, do they do that? If you deny these teens the fun that they inevitably must go through at some point in their life, they will just go at it and get it and do it earlier and earlier in their lives. Are you are you implying kindergartners that are having sex because of this FCC? So you're propaganda. saying you're saying that if teenagers and Kindergartners even could watch uh, dirty movies or or hear people swearing. They wouldn't uh, do drugs and have sex themselves. Exactly, mm. sir. Okay. Do you have any evidence? Do I have any evidence of that? Oh, oh. Okay, okay. These these cartoons that kids watch. I've heard of. Like, them. have you ever heard of the show Pokemon, sir? Uh, yeah. There is there is an extensive amount of flirtation between the main character. Ash, right. who wears a hat, and the red-headed friend he is with, who does not wear a hat, but a ponytail. Okay. Now, this flirtation never went anywhere. If it could be allowed to go somewhere, kids would know that feelings of this nature are oh. normal and they would go about it themselves. However, the FCC has limited these feelings and these kids are just going to have sex younger. Well, I, I do want to go to the Boogeyman, but I do want, I, I should point out that I think that show was made in Japan. Where Japan they don't have knows what it's doing, sir. In All the right. Japan cut of the show. Japan scares even me. Well, please, Boogeyman, why don't you respond to this? Okay, well, you know, first off, just let me say that, that while I might not teach anywhere, 
Um, I also do not pee the bed when I'm scared. And it may be an FCC violation to say this on the air or suggest that my opponent pees his bed regularly, especially when scared. But I'm, I'm just kind of throwing that out there anyways. That is incorrect to the highest degree, sir, Mr. Bogeyman. Do you have any credentials to support your theory of my bedwetting habits? Because I have credentials. I teach at Yale, sir. And no one that teaches at Yale pees themselves in any manner at all. Well, you know what they say in the old country, uh, when in doubt, produce the sheets and... I actually got do the know sheets. what they what the, what they say in the old country. I am a master debater. I've studied many forms of everything. So have you brought the sheets? Um, no, I don't because, I mean, frankly, they, they're they pretty disgusting. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I live in a, like a disgusting pit of despair in some kind of netherworld region, but... That okay. sounds I mean, like a weak argument, Mr. Bogeyman. Need- Alright, well, we actually have an expert who I think wants to chime in on this. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty much an expert on everything. I'm the general wow. public. Oh, the general uh, public. Yes, and I've been listening to this show in some small measure, and while I don't really understand most of what goes on in this show, I really don't think this is the sort of thing I want to be hearing. Oh, hold on. So you're I think s- I can speak for myself in this. You, you're saying the general public is saying they don't want to hear debatatorium. Exactly. I wow. think it's a vulgar show, it's overly intellectual, and I'm pretty much not really going to be listening to it in the future. Well, you're listening to it. You're on it. Aren't you going to want to hear yourself on it? I'm up in arms at the moment. Yeah, but you want to hear yourself up in arms, don't you? I I am interested in very little apart from myself. Well, you're going to be on the show. Well, I'll listen to the episode I'm on, but I'm not going to listen in the future. You never know when you'll call in. I, I want more sex and violence hold on, on the radio. Hold on, whoa, okay, hold on. You want more sex and violence. Yeah, it's all I'm interested, but I'm very offended to see it. So you want it, but you don't want it. Yes, that's exactly what I want. You want to see it, but you're upset when you see it. You're, are you upset so. that you want to see it? I, I am somewhat upset that I want to see it. And Why I'd don't... like to talk about how upset I am that I want to see it. But I really, really do want to see it. Well, and we I don't still... want you to show it to me. Well, we can't show it to you on the radio, but we can talk about it. But you shouldn't. But should we? But it upsets me. But would you like it? I'd love it. All right. We've got we've got something for you. So, well, then, who's well, for? You're for the FCC. He's saying he wants to see it. Well, but he's also saying he doesn't want to see it. Yeah, and, and he, re- he really doesn't because, you know, once once you come to somebody when they're sleeping and they're all warm and comfy, and then you Listen, actually- it's the only way to get me to tune in. I mean, I, I think that you forget, General Public, that this is not a democracy we live in. I oh, wait. control- I thought it was- uh, It is a democracy, as I previously mentioned on several of my past debates about democracies using America as example A. I wasn't paying attention. Oh. I didn't. I don't suppose you would, would you? You're not smart enough to oh, really comprehend. Now hold on. We don't. We don't have experts on here to be insulted. Now I should point out. I, I'm just simply stating fact. Oh, it's what I do. I'm a master debater, as previously mentioned. Okay. Well, general public, I'm a little unclear on whose side you're on on this debate. Are you looking at this black and white? If you are, then good. I want you to take a side. Then I'll tune in. I want you watch. to take a side. In the, in the, in they the take sides. Black versus white. Black always wins. No, hold it's on. We don't common knowledge. That's no. this is true. The powers of darkness always prevail. It's a then, different then debate. White wins. Different debate. Uh, look, poll me. What do you want my opinion on? Do you think the FCC should control what is said and done over the airwaves? Absolutely, they should. Because if I get what I want, I'm not going to be listening to anything intellectual to expand my mind. I'll just tune into the things that I want to see. But you just said that this was too intellectual. This is absolutely too intellectual. Do you think I'm going to want to listen to this in my spare time? Well, I... 
All right. All right. Mr. Boogeyman, you wanted to say something about this, I think, didn't you? Or- yeah. I mean, really, when the general public actually experiences some of this, you know, horrible violence, or at least, you know, me and taking the form of 17 severed kitten heads, um, they don't want to see it anymore. And that's very clear. You know, we just... Oh, yeah. Are you trying to protect the people that you're trying to scare? Okay. Let me put it this way. I don't want people cutting in on my share. Oh. Just outlaw it, that's and I'll I- pay big money to get copies of it. Or, well... <laughs> exactly my point, sir. Okay. If you outlaw these things and don't let kids see them, then they'll just want it more. Well, that is a good point. The of course it is. I made it. Ah, well, interestingly, I think we have some more uh, experts who do want to... Please. Hi. Hi there. Who's this? This is John Q. Public. John... No, that shit, because that'd be a blatant ripoff. I don't f***ing roll that way. Oh, uh, okay. Who is this? I do want to salute General Public for his long distinguished military career. Thank you. It wasn't always voluntary, but it's always been me. Alright, um, please. I think I'm I'm the first actual expert you've had on this f***ing show. F*** you, Frank Allen. Okay, who is this? This is Cyril B. Smarter Than You. And you may think that my voice sounds like a number of other personalities and experts that's been on this show. A little I similar. I f***ing voice act, oh, all right? okay, good. You're, you know, speaking of the FCC... I'd like to start out, if I may, by saying, fuck you, Master Debater. Okay. Fuck you, Boogeyman. Oh. I'm still pissed about that shit you did when I was six. <laughs> all and right. And you as yet unnamed expert. <laughs> Hi! If I may, if I may say... I, I haven't even got to my expertitude, <laughs> so piss off! All right, well, what do you got to say? You want to know why censorship exists? I, well, yeah. You want to know? Yeah. Do you think you can handle knowing why censorship fucking exists? The general public doesn't know, do you? Tell me! Shut I'm, up! Why? I have my voice hey. and it must be heard. Hey, tell me what to do. I already gave you some gratis, now be quiet. What is it? She, it doesn't I'm about to know. tell you I'm building up for dramatic suspense while I may not voice act. I took two years of summer stock, so piss off. Alright, well, we're writing. So. Alright, you want to know why there's censorship? Si, senor. Do you think you're ready to know? I am ready. You're ready. Are we ready? Is everyone... What about the unnamed expert? Is he ready? I'm changing the channel. This is taking too long. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you. Okay. Because people are fucking bitches. They tell you crazy shit. Like, words hurt. What do you mean, words hurt? Oh, I can't tune into Tiny Tunes because they said peace. Well, I don't think they did on Tiny Tunes. Are you sure? Well, no. They did? I'm going to watch that show and never turn it on. I don't know. I don't think that that's... Or I don't like that rap music. Why not? Because they say the bad words in it oh. that I don't like. You're a bitch. When you're walking down the street and I say to you. Nobody bleeps me out. Or if I might say, I've never walked down streets. I've jogged, I've ran, and I've crawled down streets all the time. I've never walked, as you might suggest. Is that below you? In, in the parlance, if it's you will. It's not even in the same category as me. He probably uses a Segway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. It's a good thing for him he doesn't walk down the streets, because he'd meet my patented brick in a sock. But that's another story altogether, so. You patented it? Yeah. Wow. You want to you debate that? No. I, don't I will. I would love to debate. All right, okay. Master Debater. Master Debater. We're already in one debate. His we name shouldn't. sounds too much like Master Debater anyways. This show is going to be way, no, way it too doesn't. censored. It's way too edgy. The general public shifting in his seat. He's going to call up Congress. This is making me squirm. Yeah, he's, but I he's can't turn it upset. off. Very upset. Well, okay. So Why? So he's a all right, so you know, all right, so you've told us why censorship exists. Do you think that it's right that it exists? Do I think it's right that people are fucking chicken ass pieces of shit? Yeah, is it right? Is that what you're 
fucking asking me? Yes. You think I want to know if it's okay if people are fucking cowards? No, I want to know if it's okay. Have you ever watched any World War II movies when people were real men? Even the women were real men? That answers your question right there. Damn, Frank Allen, you're supposed to be smart. Or do you just pack these people into Frank, the show so you can be like Frank, Hugh Hefner and seem to be cultured? Which is it? Uh, I think you're on Master Debater's side, so. I, I don't think he is. I'm, I'm on I, my fucking side. I called in to hear my voice on the radio and talk to the general public. Boogeyman, please. Frank, uh, let me tell you, this. Hi. These, these, these morons have me terribly offended at this point, so you're um, I'm just going to do the my dude thing. That is that okay? breaks into people's rooms and tries to get them to piss their beds and you're talking about offending people take a look in the mirror buddy you're in a fence i am in the mirror and uh, and in a fence if i might add no i don't think that all right let's boogeyman please all right, well, just Continue. allow me to assume the form of a kitten All right. so that I can rip their faces off in okay. the form of a kitten, because that is terrifying. Okay. Okay. And then- oh, You're wait. losing it. Kittens are not very scary. Now, scorpions, on the other hand, are incredibly scary. Maybe there's some kind like... of kitten scorpion, but I, I don't think so, because I'm not a coward. Oh, how would I talk like this? Well, you should probably take some uh, some cough drops. All right. All I right. want to see him fight. Mr. Smarter Than You. Cyril, be smarter than you. My dad's Mr. Smarter Than You. I work for my fucking living. Cyril. I'm not a mister. Cyril, uh, thank you for calling. We do have one more expert we do want to get to, so I'm going to have to cut you off. Not You're censor you. are the general public on. I'm not. Well, he's. I'm going to have to move on to the next debater. That's cool. I expected it. All right. All right. Well, uh, as Cyril of yet, unnamed. a real name. As of yet unnamed uh, expert did more Thank you oh. master debater hold on now settle down settle I'll debate down. that any day please come on yes my name is cyril timothy yale another cyril and another yaley well no i am not a yaley i am simply a yale i invented it oh you you founded yale invented uh, invent is it a machine yes oh where do you think i got the name for the university from i was oh. like hmm, hmm need a name need a name well, let me turn on my yale machine while i think ah there's a damn machine university but didn't work out so yeah. so you, okay so you didn't invent the university you invented a machine well i founded the university having invented the machine of oh. course he didn't the university was named after the yaling bird what's that was- blah 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 i, don't I disagree you. i'll debate how you about we all ground. shout in the mics at the same time i agree with that statement Shh. no wait no i don't silence silence please all right there we go listen you're too intelligent to trust but i believe everything you say mr. i get that a lot mr yale what did yes. you want to say about the censorship issue. Well, I come from the past, as you may know, and the past, as is common knowledge, is a time utterly devoid of fun. Now, since, since we in the past have not enjoyed fun in the form of things like, say, violence or explicit sexuality, we see no reason that members of the present or the distant future should be entitled. So you so you think that we should be censored more? Yes, oh. I believe that there should be greater censorship. You should also not have the advantage of things like fire. We should censor fire utterly. Oh. Everything except my brilliant Yale machine. What is it do? Everything. Oh. Hey, yes? the term you want is redacted, dumbass. Redacted. Not censor. You're taking fire away after the fact, not preventing it from going out. Censorship is a prevention mechanism, not a retroactive mechanism. Read a f- 
fucking book, Yale. Wow. Books, another thing that should be censored. I, and redacted. I have to discredit something that Mr. Yale said. I personally grew up in the past. Bra- I had bra- lots bra- of bra- fun. Bra- bra- so, bra- bra- so, yeah, wet in your bed. We heard that part of the show. I will fight the fuck out of you. Whoa, okay. This is coming from a man who's afraid of women. That's right. Naked women are the things that scare him most. That's not true. Another I'm thing we need to redact. intimidated by them. All right, all right, all right. It's getting a little rowdy in here. Let's all let's all watch our now language. Now we're getting some real fucking television. That's what I'm it's, saying. We're on the we're on the radio. We actually. are on the radio. Well, You're incorrect. Shit. All right. Um, we we got to watch our watch our p's and q's here. Um, but uh, we do have to go on to final arguments. Q, so, a largely superfluous letter. It should also be redacted. No, it's don't, we need the letter Q just in case. All right. Now, uh, Mister Cornswallow. Cornswallow. Jordan P Q Cornswallow. You have Mind a Q yours. Now too. Okay. All right. Now, in my expert opinion, yep. and all of my years of experience, I have never found anything quite as offensive as the FCC. Why is that? Well, I'm trying to tell. You, okay. If you would just let me get to the point, Go ahead. maybe you'd like to interrupt me some more. No, you're not allowed to. Okay. I've debated you out of that. All right. Now the FCC wants to control everything, oh. but I disagree with that. I believe freedom is an American right, unlike the FCC, which isn't even a right nor a left. Now, as the master debater, I must say and state how if you support the FCC, I am against you. It really boils down to that, and then you're wrong, because I am right, always. Alright, interesting I philosophy. Didn't, I, I, I got my masters in debating. You're a master in I, debating? That's why I am the master debater. The master it's not debater. some presumptuous thing, it okay. really right. is a title. I th- are you going to become a doctor debater? Or? I'm going to be a Dr. Mario, if that's what you'd rather know. Frank. Okay. Frank, yep. I, I know this is a little bit of a breach protocol, but I've calmed down a little bit now. Okay. And I want to I want to throw in one last tidbit. Just one. That I think is very relevant. What is it? You know what the SCC stands for? What does it stand for? People want you to believe it stands for Federal Communications Commission. Yeah. But that's bullshit. What does it stand for? It stands for fucking chicken shit commie that's too many The C's. third C is silently invisible. Okay. Uh, Ask the boogeyman. He put it there. All right. Now you're getting riled up again, though. All right. I'm calming down. All right. Boogeyman. I'm calming f- down. Final arguments, please. Well, let me just tell you from personal experience, Frank. Yeah. When you're when you're hiding in a kid's bedroom closet. Yeah. And you're there all day just waiting for the kid to finally go to bed. And then you start, you know, growling and scratching at the door and everything. And then the kid comes up to the door and opens it and says, F*** off. I mean, how would wow. that make you feel? That doesn't sound... I mean, that must hurt. Where do they pick up these words? And I'll tell you, you know, it's from the media, and that's why we need to stop it. Because, other, I mean, really, I'm, I'm I'm going out on a limb here, but I just really think that it's going to turn our children into little boogeymen. Wow. And there won't be a place for me left in the Wouldn't world. Wouldn't you be turning them into boogeymen, really? Good! Good riddance! All right, all right, hold on. All right, all right. Well, so, let's see. I gotta think about it. It's a big issue. But you know what? The thing is... Uh, Boogeyman has been around for a long time, and if if bad words are getting in the way of him doing his job, we need to curtail it. You would say that. I and did. Wrong. That. Sh- that's what I fucking say. I agree with that. Who is generally wrong? Well, Mister Boogeyman, uh, I'm afraid you've won. Well, you should be very afraid because I am the Boogeyman. I am. Well, so I'm kind and of. My afraid. opponent probably won't be sleeping for the next few weeks because I'm going to be underneath his bed. Whoa, we've learned your way out of that, sh- guys. We've learned your weakness, Boogeyman. It begins with F and ends with K. So fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, beds, another thing that should be redacted. All right. Um, Master Debater, I'm sorry to hear that you have lost. No, I bet you're okay with the way I've lost. I'm kind of okay with it. No, I bet you feel very badly. I, I was okay with it, actually. No, you you feel sorry. I'm sorry that... Uh, you know what? I'm not going to let you do that to me. You're, you're trying no, to trick me. You won't let me do that, will you? All right. It's possible you may come back as a as a wild card, but for now, Mr. Uh, Boogeyman... Tame card. Mr. Boogeyman goes up to the second round of debating, which we will be starting next week. So, uh, thank you for listening to Debatatorium 2007, and, uh, we'll be back with more hot-button issues next week. Good night. button my ass. No, not button your... All right. Good night. That episode of Debatatorium featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Charles Berman, Aaron Freakin' Gold, Patrick Ganan, Daniel Schwartz, Elijah Weberhan, and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, and thank you very much, Frank Allen. Didn't you think that was a great episode? Did you think it was the best part of the show? I have an opinion, but I don't want to express it. Well, I want, I ordered you to express it, so now you have to. Go ahead. I thought that that episode of Debatatorium featured... Two debaters. Well, yeah, but um, what I want to know is, did you think it was better than stuff with me in it? Oh. Can you just have a robot twist my arm? Because, I I mean, it's going to happen. Okay, twist his arm. Oh, okay. Thank you. Ah, that hurt. Well, now it's time for my section of the show called Scapey Stories. And I got to get someone relevant for my show. So I got a mountain... St. Heron. I'm sorry? Mountain, uh, Mountain St. Heron? Is that what it's called? From, from the Mount St. Helens, from, you know, the, the volcano that erupted? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. That's who listened to my story. So, okay, everybody listen up. This is going to be scary, okay? I doubt it could be more scary than getting my... Okay, oh, it's going to be scary. Okay, that's a lie, yes. Oh, let's listen to it, please. Thank you. Scooby Stories From a cat in the dark Hello and welcome to Scooby Stories My name is Scooby And well we have a story today It's gonna be good uh, It's gonna be another one of our magical scary stories That we always do uh, But this time I have a guest with me Whose name is uh, St. Helen Hello hey, Hello St. Helen Hello how are you Yes, do not adjust your television set. I am a volcano. Oh, you are, you are a mountain St. Helen? I guess you could call me that. That is one of my aliases. Well, okay. Are you ready to hear a scary story now? Yes. Tell me a scary story. Okay, this one is called In the Light of the Red Lamp by Maurice Revel. So, okay, once upon a time, uh, there was a guy, okay, and he was, like, sitting around, and he was, like, really, uh, kind of freaked out and kind of, like, weirded out. He was, like, kind of guy who everybody's, like, oh, he's, something's wrong with him, he's crazy, because he would sometimes just be, like, sitting there and be, like, well, yeah, 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 and he would be, like, what the, what is that guy talking about? Anyway, so he was just kind of sitting there being freaked out, and he, he had all these papers and stuff, and I was just kind of sitting there looking at him, going, like, okay, why is he so weird? And there was, like, a purring cat nearby, and there was, like, a, I mean, there was a nice house that he was living in, and I was just w- looking at him, kind of going, okay, why, this guy is, like, such a freak. Uh, and so he was like, okay, listen, uh, I'll tell you about the terrible thing that happened, is that my wife died, okay? And, like, it really sucked a lot. And I, 
I could have, there's, like, any kind of bad thing that happened, I would rather have that happen. Like, if I went totally broke, or I lost all of my house, or my hair. And is this the reason why the guy was freaking out? Well, yeah, I think it is, because he, his wife died, and he was, like, very unhappy about it. Apparently. Because he was like, oh, she died, and it left me all alone, and I was so lonely, and it sucked. And it's been, like, six months since she died, but before that, we, like, lived together for, like, ten years, so it's, like, super, super lame. Is this story coming to a point? Well, so far, I would tell you, so far the point is that he's... Like, sad that his wife died. Did you not get that part? Well, yes, but you can't really make an entire short story out of some guy being emo over his wife dying. Well, maybe you could, but you sound kind of emo anyway, so... I'm not feeling terribly emo at this moment. I feel perfectly calm, actually. Well, good. So you can appreciate that this guy was upset. No, not really. Well, look, he was upset, okay? So just forget it. The point is, he's like, I'm upset. And he's like, oh, you know, it was terrible. It would have been at least if I had known it was coming. And I was like, I thought she was sick for a while. And he was like, nope, she wasn't. It was like really sudden. It was like over the course of two days, all of a sudden, sick. And the doctors were like, we don't get it. And then she was like dead, basically, is how it went. And that is the whole story? No, that's that's not the whole story I'm telling. That's the whole story he was telling to me. So you have more then? Yes, I have more. Okay. Now, I will continue now. Well, actually, he had a little bit more too, because he was like, oh, now I'm super lonely, and I walk around all day kind of going, oh, I'm so lonely, and I look around the house for things that used to belong to my wife, and I find them, and I'm like, oh, this pen was hers. Oh, this plate was the plate she used to eat off of. Oh, and I found this veil in my pocket, and I was like, oh, she gave me this veil because she was not feeling like wearing it for a minute, and I put it in my pocket. And I and sometimes I would pretend that I could still smell her on it, but I really can't. <laughs> I'm just kidding myself, really. Because there's really nothing left. There's nothing left but me being sorrowful and, 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 and being sad all the time. That's all that is left in my heart. And hey, did you know something else? And I was like, what? And he was like, well, when she, when she died, uh, my wife... Did you know she died? Well, the day that she died, uh, I, like, went in and I took her picture when after she was dead. That's a little creepy. Well, it is a little creepy. Actually, yes, that is true. That's kind of what I was thinking. I was kind of like, uh, okay, a little bit skeeved out. Is there anything interesting or unique about this story? Because there are a lot of stories in which someone loses someone important to them, and then there's usually something else associated with the story, like Batman. He loses his parents, but that's not the end of the story. He uses the experience to become a crime fighter, and it becomes more interesting. Does this guy become a crime fighter? Well, no, but his wife did die. And that's it? Well, he was a guy in the story. He was a guy that I know, so that's pretty sad, too. I could tell a lot of stories about people I know. Well, it usually ends with them getting burnt in lava. And they end up losing their lives. But those stories aren't really that interesting. Well, this guy did not burn his wife, okay? <laughs> that would be, like, jerky to do. But what he did was, I, we don't even know how she died. The doctors don't know, okay? So, all right. The point is, he was like, I took a picture of her dead. And I was like, oh, okay. 
That was good. And he was like, yeah, that was weird, because you'd think I would be freaked out and, like, crying and stuff, but I instead took a picture. And I was like, okay, uh, so where's the picture? And he was like, well, uh, I've been a little too freaked out to develop it, duh. He did that. And then it freaked him out? That is pretty weird, man. Well, it's very freaky. Did you never do anything where you were like, oh, man, why did I do that? There was that time I burned all those people in lava. I kind of regretted that later on. Well, then you know how he feels. You were probably like, if you had a picture of yourself burning people, would you be like, oh, just develop it? That's kind of sick. I wouldn't take a picture of myself erupting and burning people. That's really sick, man. Well, you couldn't because you were busy burning. But this this guy took a picture. So look, he didn't. He's the, he went. He didn't burn his wife. Is what I'm saying. He did like set her on fire. She just died. It was sad. Is there any more points of this story? You've been recycling the same point now for the past ten minutes. Yes, there's a more point. We look. I was just getting to the part where like action starts to happen. Okay, because he goes. I didn't develop the picture. And I was like, okay. And he was like, hey, do you want to come help me develop the picture right now? And I was like, okay, I guess why not? So we went into his dark room. So this is where the action is. We went into the dark room and we're like, hey, okay, we're going to develop this picture. And so he like takes out development formulas and puts them in stuff and he takes the thing with the picture. I don't, look, I don't know how to develop picture, but this guy does and he's doing it, okay? And so he's like, uh, I'll put in the, the piece of paper that the picture's gonna go on and I'll do the magic that makes pictures happen and it starts to happen basically, okay? <laughs> and oh, and by the way, just so you know, when you go and develop a picture, it has to be dark and there's like a red right. That's why the story was called that. I thought it was going to be a story about prostitutes, honestly. Well, that's insulting to this guy's wife. I didn't imply his wife was a prostitute. I just took red lamb to imply prostitutes. But there's only three characters. Me, him, and the wife. If you're not saying he's a prostitute, I'm not a prostitute in the story. So I didn't know if a prostitute would get involved later on in the story. Well, I will spoil the story for you. There's no prostitutes. This is not exactly the best storytelling in the world. You're already spoiling the fact that there are no prostitutes in the story. Okay, friend, maybe there's prostitutes. But there's not. So, look, we're developing the picture. And it's, it's, there's a paper with picture beginning to develop. And so it's like, oh, it's taking a wrong time, dude. And he's like, yeah, yeah, uh, I have a weak solution or something. And, uh, he's like, oh, look, you can start of see that's, that's where the bed is. You see the, there's that rectangle. And that other rectangle is like the pillow. And this part is where he, her body is kind of. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can sort of see that, sure. And, uh, and he's like, Wow, this is taking a while, though, for real. Uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you can sort of see the details. And he's like, yeah, you can almost, like, those are candles, because she's dead, you know, and those are flowers and stuff. That's where the rosary is, because I gave her a rosary so she could pray for Jesus. It sounds like he's giving a tour of the house or something. No, he's just, because the picture is developing slowly, and so... Instead of just waiting and so I could just look at it, he's saying, here's what's coming, here's what's coming. And I'm like, okay, I think it's ready. And he said, no, no, look, see, not ready. Uh, gotta wait some more. And I'm like, okay. Oh, oh, the suspense is killing me. Wait, was it ready? What do you want? No, the suspense is really killing me. 
Can't you tell? I can tell you that it wasn't ready. So we were waiting a little bit more. And he's like, oh, yeah, almost, almost. Rough. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, I think it's basically ready now. Let me hold it up. Okay, drip, drip, drip. Okay, here we go. I want to take a look. Here it is. Oh, it looks like it's... Oh, no! Oh, no? Yeah, that's what he said. And I was like, what What happened? Why are you freaking out again? What? You're just looking at the picture. And he's like, take a look at the picture. And I'm like, oh, okay, what? And I take a look and I'm like, oh, okay, what's wrong? And he goes, look! Look what happened in the picture. Well, I didn't know. I was I was wondering the same exact thing, to be honest with you, because I, I didn't see anything, and I was like, why is he freaking out? What could possibly be so terrible? So what got him so emotional? Well, he looked at me, and I, and I was like, oh man, because he looked at me, and like, his eyes were like bulging out, and they were like bloodshot. Like in a cartoon? Well, like a freaky, scary cartoon, because it was scary. That sounds very scary and suspenseful. What happened next? He was like, what's the matter? You want to know what's the matter? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, in the picture, uh, like her eyes are in a different position or something, which means uh, she wasn't really dead and I must have like buried her or something. Is that it? Is that the whole story? Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. The end. That story was really dull. Besides, couldn't it have simply been that someone in the morgue was playing a very nasty prank on him? Uh, no. Her eyes moved. She was really alive. How do we know that for sure? Maybe someone was playing a sick joke on him. How would they play a joke on her, him? Would they turn her into a puppet and move her eyes? I mean, come on. It's possible to just move her eyes. No, it's not possible. And who are you to call it boring anyway? I'm just calling it the way I see it. You are boring! Is what I'm saying. You are the one who's boring. If you... Did you ever hear anybody say, if, you, if you're bored, then I think maybe it is you who's bored. That doesn't make any sense. Besides, all the people I know say I'm a really exciting guy, like that time in 81. You're not exciting. I've had better guests a, a lot of times. Look, you, you, did you learn any important lessons from the story or what? People who work in morgues are no, that's not what you're supposed to learn. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. Helen. Why did you just put an emphasis on my name? To emphasize your name. Why would you be emphasizing my name? Because you are. Because oh, it's Helen. Because that's why. What's wrong with the name Helen? Oh, nothing is wrong with it. Nothing. It's just that, you know. Just that you know what? It's a girl name. It is not a girl's name. It is also a guy's name, too. Why? Why does everyone think it's a girl's name? It is a girl's name! What about Helen of Troy? So some women have to be named Helen. Does that ruin it for all the guys that are named Helen? All throughout history, always, always, always the girls are emphasized, but never the guys named Helen. What about 81? What about 81? 81 was the last time someone reminded me that Helen is a girl's name. Well, did you ever think that maybe it is a girl's name? It is not a girl's name! Name two Helens that are boys. Me? That's one. And me! That's the same one! I don't care! Well, it doesn't count. It counts because I say it counts! I could name five girls named Helen. I don't care about your girls named Helen. Whether you want to hear the scary moral or not. Whatever, I don't care. The scary moral of this story that you're supposed to have learned instead of about morgue 
people is make sure your wife is dead. No, the real moral of this story is Helen should be a guy's name too. That was never in the story. There's nobody in the story named Helen. I'll burn you. Well, my name's still not Helen. Burn. In fact, you know what? You know what? Guess what? What? The wife's name was Helen. You son of a bitch. That's it. I'm going to go Milton Island. Whatever. At least I don't have a boy name like Scape. Scape sounds like someone who's going to get burned with lava someday. We'll see. Bye, Helen. Burn hell. Thank you all for listening to Scape Stories. Come back next time for something that will scare up your back. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for enjoying that. And now it is the end of the show, which means it's time for me to sing a little song before the listener mail, okay? Okay, the robot is making me clap. That was good. Yes, it, it is good, very good. So it doesn't matter. It's good. Very, very good. Thank you very much, Skate. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Did you like that song very much, Rory, for years? Yes, no, absolutely. I thought it was a wonderful song, actually, yes. It could be a pop hit, perhaps. And Frank, did you also enjoy that song? I would prefer to remain silent, actually. Uh, I, I have the right to remain silent, right? If you were arrested, I guess. Okay, well, can we just pretend that that's what happened? All right, sure. Anyway, uh, let's get to the redder. We got one redder, and it's very wrong. Okay, so, uh, Johnny Robot, would you read it for me? Yes, I would be happy to. Frank Allen, you must hold the letter for me so I can read it. Uh, okay, there we go. Yep. Here you go. Read it. Rory, I, Thomas Alva Edison, have heard your pleadings and implications that I, Thomas Alva Edison, return to your mother and make her my, Thomas Alva Edison's wife. Let me, Thomas Alva Edison, assure you, nothing could make me, Thomas Alva Edison, happier. Oh my god. Is this, is this, is this real? Yes, this is a real, it's a real letter that we really got. Go, go on, Robert, go on. But perhaps, Rory, it is I, Thomas Alva Edison, who must apologize to you, for when I, Thomas Alva Edison, first embarked on a quest to dissolve your parents' marriage and seduce your mother, there were no honest intentions in the act. Indeed, when she accepted the invitation to dinner, I, Thomas Alva Edison, pulled out all the stops using contacts in the finest haberdasheries and botanists to devise the ideal combination of flowers and suit to wow her. The most expensive restaurants and the most excellent menus and vintages were hers to choose from, and the conversation boiled over with witticisms, compliments, anecdotes, and flashes of emotional vulnerability, ideally designed to entrap and arouse her. When, emboldened by wine and flushed with feminine excitement, she propositioned me, Thomas Alva Edison, with that first night still young, it was clear that I, Thomas Alva Edison, was 
victorious. How foolish I was, for as we clumsily shifted to the back seat of the car, so little changed Rory from when you were a child riding in it yourself, and began to disrobe one another, a strange new feeling came over me, Thomas Alva Edison. The look of youthful hunger in her eyes, the taste of her full lips and eager-seeking tongue, the heaving of her ample bosom seemingly untouched by age, the tender softness of her naked skin. I, Thomas Alva Edison, found myself engorged, not by thoughts of revenge, but by pure animal desire. And as we became joined in primal, lustful embrace, the giving and taking of pleasure flowed together in a climax of mutual satisfaction, such as would shatter the mind of inexperienced lovers. As your mother slumped against me, Thomas Alva Edison, exhausted and radiant in afterglow, I, Thomas Alva Edison, knew she had captured my, Thomas Alva Edison's, heart. Well, that's, I mean, that's really wonderful. I mean, I could do without the graphic uh, um, descriptions, but I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm very overjoyed that no, it's not me... done yet. There's, there's like a lot more. Oh, uh, all right. And so our courtship began in earnest. Trips to London for concerts. Tea with God at his Godfort. Ice skating in the frozen oxygen lakes of Vega. Both romantically and sexually, the <sighs> two of us were each ensorcelled by the other. We were like children again, exploring the strange new world of infinite possibility. Her body became as familiar to me, Thomas Alva Edison, as my, Thomas Alva Edison's, laboratory in Menlo Park. And as in that haunted place, I, Thomas Alva Edison, forsook sleep and comfort to lavish new inventions of pleasure upon her. And as she did in your school days, Rory, she spared no tenderness or care to please me, Thomas Alva Edison. We both felt a completeness unknown to us, true soulmates perfectly suited to union. Oh. My, Thomas Alva Edison's, proposal of marriage seemed natural, and her acceptance, no surprise. You can imagine my, Thomas Alva Edison's, excitement, Rory, at the thought of your mother telling you, for what had been hatred was transformed by a chance to see you through a mother's eyes. Having explored the wilderness that bore you, having perused pictures of your childhood, having made tender love in the room that was your private sanctum in the salad days of university, uh -huh. I, Thomas Alva Edison, came to love you as she did, with a parent's unconditional adoration. How painful, then, to learn that you saw only treachery in my romance and could not allow true love to run its course. My, Thomas Alva Edison's despair was overwhelming. Your mother tried desperately to comfort me, Thomas Alva Edison, but the schoolgirl outfits and costumes of latex that had so delighted now held no pleasure. Uh -huh. But as any father wants only what will make his son happy, I, Thomas Alva Edison, honored your wishes and abandoned your mother mere weeks after announcing our engagement. Brokenhearted, I, Thomas Alva Edison, threw myself into my, Thomas Alva Edison's former first passion, but no invention or spell could fill the void your mother had left, and that your rejection prompted. I, Thomas Alva Edison, was alone. How delightful, then, to hear your pleas, to know that your mother's love means as much to you as it does to me, Thomas Alva Edison, though of course the intimacy she and I, Thomas Alva Edison, have shared would be beyond inappropriate for you and she. Of course I, Thomas Alva Edison, accept your apology and have hastened back to the woman we both love. I, Thomas Alva Edison, am proud of you, Rory, and now am proud to call you my son. I, Thomas Alva Edison, look forward to seeing you at the wedding, along with Frank, Scape, Boo, Real Jordan, and Real Jordan's wife, Devon. At your mother's insistence, no robots may attend, and for this, the Jordan robot is hardly apologized to. Ah, but I, Thomas Alva Edison, feel your mother's eager lips upon the back of my Thomas Alva Edison's neck, oh. and so will bid you the fondest of farewells for now. Do have a lovely day. Your loving father, Thomas Alva Edison. Oh, what is that all about? What a jerk! Thomas Alva Edison! You are a jerk! What? No, 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 escape, no, no, no. No, he's wonderful. This is, this is great news. This is wonderful. This is beautiful, beautiful news. This is, this is a good thing. No, he said I can't bring Jordan robots to the wedding! That's alright. Look, 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 look. It's not a problem. Uh, uh, escape, I will figure out something, you know, just, just because we can't bring Jordan robot to the wedding, but it's not a problem. Look, I, I really don't want to do anything to get in the way of this wedding. It means a lot to me, my mother, and, you know, they're going to probably have lots of disgusting, filthy interactions. But it's it's all right. This is this is a good thing, and my mother could be happy, and she will talk to me again. So I will be able to hold my head high as a as a good son once more. But if Jordan robots can't, how am I going to get moist food? I'm sure Thomas will give you moist food at the wedding. Oh, 
Okay. So, John, a robot, you don't care, do you? I am not programmed to care. Okay. Then it's okay. So, that makes you really happy, Rory? Yes. Yes, that makes me very happy and a little nauseous, but mostly happy. I, I would say happiness is the prime emotion right now. I will probably lie down for a while after the podcast is over, but generally speaking, I am quite happy, generally speaking. You do realize this means that he's won. Thomas Alpha Edison has won. I'm sorry? Well, uh, not only did he get you to apologize for wronging him in the first place, but he made you beg him to uh, have sex with your mother, basically. No, that's not... I mean, I didn't literally... But essentially you did. I mean, basically you, you did. Well, um... Uh, what, uh, what's your point? He's won. He's beaten you pretty thoroughly. Uh, perhaps. Do you really think that's that was what he was doing? No, I'm, I mean, maybe he really loves your mother, but he did... Beat you pretty sound. Uh, you know, I, I suppose he did. Yeah. Okay, this is getting really boring. Uh, let's end the show, I think, so I can go eat my food. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, next week, I'll be back in the podcast. Uh, Frank Allen will be more behaved. We will talk more about how great I am, I think. And Rory will uh, do whatever Rory does. I don't care. The point is, thank you for listening, okay? <laughs> to the rear, everybody. Bye-bye. Waxwork.com wants to introduce you to its newest project. The Wax Burger. It's one quarter pound of beef digitally fried and served up to you exactly as you order it. Just click on Download Burger and you'll discover that the best burgers are not ordered in restaurants, but on the internet. But remember, there are no kids meals at Waxwork.com, so parents, be cautious. Can we go to Waxwork.com? Maybe when you're older, kids. Each of our projects is made especially with the FDA guidelines for nutrition for a healthier you. And if you act now, you can get one of our combo meals, one wax burger, and your choice of sides, including cereals and poetry. Waxwork.com, all original, creative beef products. On the next episode of Cast in Wax... On guard duty, Peace Blossom and Binary Girl interview the final candidate. Please come in, make yourself at home. You two certainly do. No, we just... No, we were... I was attempting to make love to her, but she rejected me at every turn. Now, I find that hard to believe. She rejected a sexy little thing like you? Now, wait a second. And on Decker and Hayes, the girls don't exactly get along. I told her to keep as much of the operations here away from you as possible. Only I didn't say it so nice as that. Jesus Christ, Maisie, what are you trying to do? We're supposed to be detectives, baby, not criminals. This is a former CIA defector. That's treason, right? Emphasis on former. What's with all the lesbians and the shows? It's really weird. All this plus a Frank Allen interview and Rory Sinjin's This Day in History. And it's all coming to Waxwork.com on the date that is in the future, seven days, namely... Robot. May 25th. May 25th, yes, May, May 25th.